Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I've got a message for you all this morning that I've titled, What You Have in the Family. So if you're taking notes, the title is, What You Have in the Family. Uh, I'm excited about this topic because I truly believe that the church is a family. I believe that this room right here, that we are a family. Uh, Maybe you're new. Maybe you've been here for 10 years. Uh, I just realized I hit my my 11-year mark here pretty recently. I'm like, wow, I've been here that long. Time's flown. Um, But this is a family. We love each other. We support each other. We pray for each other. And we may not be related by blood, but we're related by the, the love of Jesus Christ. It's the one thing that binds us all together. It's our faith in him. And it's just such a beautiful, the church is such a beautiful thing. It's, it's amazing how so many people with so many different backgrounds can come together united in this one thing, and that's faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm really excited about it. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Uh, it's, it's a little further on than when Pastor Eric actually preached from Ephesians chapter 2 last week. Uh, if you remember, he put me on the spot and had me remember, remember scripture and, and quote it to you. And uh, if you were in second service, okay, I did good second service. Uh, but this is a little bit after where he finished preaching. Um, I love Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, remember, so a little context. Paul the Apostle, he's writing to the Gentiles, the church at Ephesus. Um, and, and just so you know, if you, if you didn't know this already, the Gentiles, they did not previously have a relationship with God. They, they weren't involved in the covenant with God. Before Jesus Christ died, there was only one people that they had a relationship with God. They had a covenant, and that was the Jewish people. So before Jesus Christ died, nobody else was allowed to have this covenant with God. And, and so Paul's writing to the Gentiles and trying to explain to them that, no, because of what Jesus Christ has done, you actually have access to this covenant. You can actually come into this relationship with God. And so he spends the last few verses trying to explain to them what that looks like, that now they get to partake in this covenant. And then we get to Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, which I feel like just sums it up so well. I love this verse because it uses such strong language. Um, to really help you understand what kind of relationship, what kind of uh, role you get to play in God's family. And so we're gonna read Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, which it says, now therefore, because of, this is what it says, but because of, of what Jesus Christ has done, remember, because of his sacrifice, now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So again, I love the words that it uses here, I believe each one is very unique and very purposeful, and each one of these has power. And I actually want to look at these five things today. So I've got five things for you. This is what you have in the family. Number one, you have relationship. Number two, you have acceptance. Number three, you have protection. Number four, you have status. Number five, you have a part. And you're, you're probably freaking out right now. He's got five points. I promise it's not gonna be a long sermon. I, I shouldn't promise that. I don't know. I hope it's not gonna be a long sermon. Uh, but I, I'm really excited about it because again, I, I, think that, I think this will encourage you this morning. Um, but let's pray. 
God, I thank you so much just for this opportunity to be here this morning and to share your word. I thank you for every single person that's gathered here this morning, God, that you're here in this room, that you're working, that your word is going forth, that you're changing lives, you're changing hearts, you're changing minds, God. I thank you that whether uh, somebody's new here today or whether they've been coming here for years, God, that I thank you that you've just brought this family together, that this is a family, this is your design, this is your will, this is your picture for the church, and I thank you for building your church. I thank you for building this family, for blessing lives, God, for, uh, for, for being whatever every person here needs this morning. You are that to them, and I thank you for being that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So number one, we're going to look at this. You have relationship, all right? It says, you are no longer strangers, the first thing, it says you're no longer a stranger. So what is a stranger? Well, a stranger is somebody you don't know. A stranger is somebody you don't have a relationship with, someone that you're not familiar with. You know, the, uh, have anybody, Rick Springfield, the don't talk to strangers, baby, don't you talk. Yeah, anybody know that song? Okay, I've got a couple people. It's like a really old song, but my, my point is, like, from childhood, you've probably been taught don't talk to strangers right? Because you don't know who these people are. They can kidnap you. They can, whatever. We don't know. Like strangers, you just don't know what they can do or who they are. I know as a kid, when I was growing up, I, there were many times I went up and hugged a stranger thinking it was my dad, which my parents are here today. I was like, hi, mom and dad. Um, I, I know one time, I think we went to like a state fair or something and I lost my parents and uh, I saw a dude in a plaid shirt, thought it was my dad, and I went up and hugged his leg, like, oh, no, this is not my dad, and ended up finding my parents. But I, you've probably had that story with your kids or with yourself, like, that just, that happens. And so we, we have this very big concern when dealing with strangers, not because we don't like them, we just don't know. There's so much unknown about it. But it says you're no longer strangers, because now you have a relationship with God. I'm going to say that again. You have a relationship with God. A relationship is a very different thing than a religion. You know, all of us in here, for the most part, we would probably classify ourselves, our religion is Christianity, okay? And, and that's great. That's what we believe. That's what a religion is. It's a set of beliefs, a set of, uh, of worship, worship. It's a system of faith, right? But a relationship is so much more than just a religion. You can have a religion and not have a relationship with God. In fact, so many Christians don't realize that they have access to this relationship with God. And, and so they're stuck in just, it's a system of I go to church, I pray a prayer, but I don't actually see God in my life. I don't see him move and I don't recognize him on a day-to-day -day basis. I know that when I first realized that I can have a relationship with God, it changed my life. It changed the way that I talk to God. It changed the things that I expected God to do in my life. It was no longer just this, you know, I used to have just this, this fear and this reverence and this awe of God, but I, I, I thought that there was just this, this divide, this gap, that I just respected him from a distance. But you can have a relationship with God, which means this isn't just a one-way road. This is a two-sided thing. It's a relationship. It's where you get to have a conversation with God and he gets to talk back to you. It's where you need help. God's ready to be what you need. He's ready to help you. He's ready to encourage you. He's ready to be with you. And if you've never had a relationship with God, you can start that today. You can walk with God. 
You can hear God's voice. You can, you can see him move in your life. You know, a, a lot of times when, when people don't realize they have a relationship and it's just a religious system, a lot of times that results in, in, in us trying to perform for God and us trying to do things to earn his favor and his grace because a lot of times that's what religion does is it, is it creates a system of rules and regulations and things that you've got to do to make your way to God. But God loved you so much that he wasn't content with with that, and he made his way to you by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. Now we get to have a relationship. He bridged the gap because he loves you, and he wants to, to walk through life with you. And all you got to do is just accept it. All you got to do is say, God, I want a relationship with you. I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you, and you can have it. It's that simple. You have relationship. You're no longer strangers. The second thing is you have acceptance. You have acceptance. So the, the, the second thing he says is that you're no longer foreigners. You're no longer foreigners. Uh, a foreigner, maybe you've been a foreigner before. If, you, if you're either not from this country or you visited another country, you probably know what it's like to be a foreigner. A foreigner is somebody who uh, isn't from that country or isn't from that culture. And so I know that the times that I've traveled and experienced being a foreigner, it's some, sometimes pretty scary because a lot of times there's a language divide, there's a cultural divide. You like different things, you eat different foods. Um, there's so many differences among cultures that being a foreigner, in a different place can be hard. It can be hard to feel comfortable. I know I, I got to uh, go to Asia last November, and that was just a fun trip. I got to go visit several countries, and each country was so different. Like, I never realized how many cultures there are. And it was scary because I didn't speak the languages. Um, a lot of times I, I didn't know if I was getting on the right train. Like, there were just a lot of unknowns. Uh, I know I went to Japan uh, as one of the stops and. Japan was probably the biggest cultural divide for me. I went to Osaka, which was more of a traditional area in Japan, and there was a very big cultural difference. I, I recognized that I stood out quite a bit. Um, I got a lot of looks, not necessarily in a bad way, but just because I stood out. You know, I was, I was a lot different than the people they had there. It wasn't super tourist friendly, so there weren't very many things in English. It was just, it was pretty difficult to navigate. So I, I stayed in a hotel in Japan, and I say hotel, it's, it was actually a pot. I don't know if you know what these things are, but it's literally a closet-sized room the shape of a twin-sized bed. So it was a mattress on a floor, and I was just living it. Like, I was just going for the experience, going for the adventure, but I was, like, sleeping on this mattress. Um, I, I woke up the next morning. I was like, I'm going to go find a cafe. Like, I'm going to go find some good coffee and uh, a good place to go just eat breakfast and hang out. And, and so I walked down the street. First of all, I, I spent a long time Googling. I, I couldn't figure out what places were breakfast places because, again, I don't speak Japanese, and most things were not in English. So by the time I finally found a place, I'm like, okay, this is a cafe. They've got breakfast. I went down the road, and, and this cafe, it was kind of, if you've ever been to Bill Smith's Diner near downtown McKinney, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like an old, like, you know that all these people here are regulars. They go, like, every week or whatever. And so I remember I walked, I opened the door. And keep, like, think Bill Smith, all right? I opened the door, and there's a lot of people in there. They're smoking cigarettes inside. They're enjoying their coffee. And as soon as I open the door, it goes completely silent. Like, I'm not kidding. It was like a scene from a movie. Well, every single head turned and 
stared at me. And I just froze for a second. Like that was the most uncomfortable I've ever been. And I just closed the door and went back to my hotel and found a different place. I don't know what, I was expecting like Starbucks or something. I don't know what I was expecting. But it's scary being a foreigner where you don't know the culture. You're not recognized. You don't have a permanent home in a place. But he says that you're no longer foreigners because you now have acceptance in God's family. You now have a place. You're now understood, whereas one time, at one time you were far away from God. You were a foreigner to, to his covenant, to his promises. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, you now have acceptance into his family. And the cool thing again about this church is that it's, it's, it's made up of, of everybody from different cultures, different backgrounds. And you will never find any other place, any other group in the world that, that is like the church of God because every other group, as inclusive as they may be, be, they still have, uh, this is a, a set of interests or a, a cultural belief or whatever it is that there's always going to be an amount of exclusion. But here in the church of God, there's none of that. This is the place where people from all over the world, from all different countries, from all different languages can come together, united in their faith. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your political beliefs are. Listen, we all probably have different political beliefs in here. And listen, that's a okay. That is great that we're all different, but we get to be united by the one thing that matters, and that's the, the, our faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what's going to happen in the election because God's still on his throne. He's still building his church. He's still moving, and what happens out there doesn't have to affect what happens in his church and in our lives because we have a relationship with God. You are accepted. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't. It really doesn't. You're accepted in God's family and you're accepted here. This is a place where you'll always find love. You'll always find grace. You'll always find forgiveness, acceptance. And then number three, you have protection. Protection. So he says, but fellow citizens. So he's calling you a fellow citizen. A citizen is uh, somebody that has citizenship in a country, so almost like a, a member or somebody who belongs to that country, and they enjoy all of the rights and the privileges of whatever they're a citizen of. And again, I think Paul was very intentional about the wording that he used here. He said, fellow citizen. Um, and if, if you'll remember, citizenship is, it's a pretty big deal today, but it was especially a big deal back then. If you remember the time where Paul was actually being beat by a Roman centurion and ended up telling the guy, he said, is it lawful for you to scourge a Roman? And as soon as that man found out that Paul was a Roman citizen, he, he was afraid. He backed off because you can't just beat a Roman citizen without a, a fair trial. But the moment he learned, and Paul said, yeah, but I was born a citizen. He was a citizen from birth. And, and that was a very powerful thing to have citizenship. But this is actually a different type of citizenship. This is the only time that this word for fellow citizens is used in the Bible. And it's not just somebody who's born into citizenship. It actually means a fellow citizen or a co-citizen. Again, he's telling the Gentiles that now you have just as much right to the kingdom, right to the family. You have just as much citizenship as the Jewish people do. That, that you're not you're not limited by uh, whatever, whatever rules or laws or country you live in, that you have just as much uh, equality in this family as, as everybody else does. 
Um, in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, it says, Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. So Paul was helping them understand that, that God doesn't favor one group of people over another, that all of you have just as much right to his family uh, as anybody else does. That God is no respecter of persons, which means he doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't do one thing for one person, but he won't do it for the next person. No, he's not like that. Uh, just because I, I, I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean that God's gonna have special treatment for me. All of us have the exact same right to God's family. And there's privileges and benefits that come with being a citizen. And, and to me, the most fundamental thing that comes with that is the right of protection. Um, government, as flawed as it might be, at its, at its basics, that's what it's designed to do is to protect its citizen. And so I love that as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you have a right to protection. And um, in Psalm 91 verse 11, he says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. It's this uh, God saying that I've got you no matter what, that I'm, I'm protecting you, that I'm here with you. Um, that Asia trip that I did last year, actually the main purpose that I was doing it was because I was going to hang out with um, Josh, who's a family of our, our a member of our family. Uh, he's actually stationed overseas. He was stationed at the U.S. Embassy in Manila, and now he's got a new post. But at the time, I actually got to go to the Philippines as well, and I got to go see the U.S. Embassy. And it really opened my eyes a lot because I never really understood to like what extent uh, our, our military operates all over the world and all the things that go into them keeping us safe. And so I got to tour the U.S. Embassy. It was so cool. Like it was a huge um, facility. And as we went through the gates, they had to swab all of our cars to make sure that there was no bomb residue. And they had all of these like security measures set up just to make sure that they were one, protecting the embassy, but two, so they could protect the United States because that's actually ultimately what they're there for is to protect our interests. And then it kind of helped me understand like really the extent of, of how much our government, uh, what they do for our protection, what our military does with, with bases all over the world. And it gave me a whole appreciation for what they do because I don't think about that kind of thing a lot. I don't usually wake up and, and just think about or wonder, am I still free? Or do I have people protecting me? I just know that I'm free and I just know that I'm protected. And that's one of, of, of the beautiful things about being a citizen of the United States is, is you, you know you're free. And, and it's just incredible to me like what, what is being done to protect us. And God says that he's given his angels charge over you, which means that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what situation you're in, you have the protection of God, that his angels are there, they're protecting you, that they've gone before you, they've prepared the way that you don't have to worry about what's gonna happen at your workplace. You don't have to worry about what's gonna happen uh, at home, or you, know, you don't have to worry about what's gonna happen if my home gets foreclosed on. No, you can relax and trust God to take care of you and protect you in every situation. You don't have to worry about sickness. You know, you don't have to worry about the coronavirus. And I'm not trying to downplay it at all. I'm not trying to say don't follow regulations and don't be safe, but I'm trying to help you understand that God's greater than any situation that we could ever come up against, that we don't have to live a life of fear or, or anxiety, or I, I know a lot of people that get really anxious and have panic attacks. And I, my heart goes out to those people because I know that's not an easy thing to do with. But I also want you to know that God is the answer to anything that you could ever need or want or desire, and that he's got protection for you in every situation that you'll ever come up against. And his protection is not just a physical protection. 
It's also, it expands to every aspect of, of your life, spiritually and, and otherwise. Uh, if you've ever heard of double jeopardy, um, double jeopardy is a, a term that's used a lot in government. And it's actually a law in the United States that says that you can't have double jeopardy, which means you can't be tried for the same crime twice. Uh, it means that if you've been acquitted or if you've been uh, proven guilty, you can't be tried for that crime again. Once it's done, it's done. And this is just an amazing concept that, I, that I, I've, I've heard about because it actually guarantees another protection to you. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So here it refers to the devil or Satan as the accuser of the brethren. So you've always got somebody who's trying to throw accusations at you. You've always got an enemy who's trying to tell you that you're not good enough, who's trying to tell you that you can never be forgiven for your mistakes. He's constantly bringing accusations before you and before God, trying to make you think, trying to convince you that you're not good enough and that you'll never be worthy enough. It says that he's the accuser. He's accusing you. He's trying to bring condemnation to your life. And if he can get you to condemn yourself, then it's over. But what you need to realize is that there's no double jeopardy, right? And so the fact that there's already been a trial, you see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ stood trial before Pontius Pilate, and he was declared guilty by the people and by God. And he took your sins and he bore them on the cross as he was crucified, a horrible, excruciating death. It says that he became sin who knew no sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in him. He literally became sin. He took judgment on his shoulders. He paid the price for everything that you've ever done and everything that you ever could do. And since that's already been taken care of, he's already been uh, declared guilty. The verdict has already been rendered, you can never be tried for that sin again. You are protected. You can never face an accusation against the devil because you've already been proven innocent. God has already forgiven you. He's already done away with your sin. You have protection. You don't have to worry about anything physically or mentally or spiritually. You're safe. You don't have to worry about mistakes. You don't have to worry about making the wrong decision. You don't have to worry about doing the wrong thing. You can just relax and let God's grace be enough because it is enough for you. And this fourth thing is that you have status. You have status. So it says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. All right, that's the fourth thing. You're fellow citizens with the saints. He didn't just bring you into the kingdom, but he made you fellow citizens with the saints. Now, the Greek word for the word saints is, is hagios. It, it literally means a most holy thing or a saint. Now, he's, he's putting you right up there in that category with the apostle Peter, with the apostle Paul, with all of those great men of faith, even with Jesus. Because it says, for this reason, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. Jesus is calling us brethren, uh, brothers and sisters. We're up there with the saints of God. That's how God sees you. It is so, it blows my mind. It's so amazing to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So the moment that you put your faith in Christ, you became a new creation. 
Um, the old person that you used to be no longer exists because you are a completely new creation. Uh, over quarantine and COVID, um, it was an interesting journey in my life. Um, I played way too much Animal Crossing. Do any of you know what Animal Crossing is? Well, they remade it. It was an old game they remade for the Switch, and I played a lot of it, let me tell you. Um, I think I've told you me and Amazon became really good friends during that time period. I ordered way too many things. I spent way too much money. I justified it because I'm like, I'm not spending money on gas. You know, I'm not... I'm not eating out every day. Like I can buy, I can buy way more things than I need. Um, but I actually ended up buying a new couch, which I was so excited about because I'd never bought a new piece of furniture. Uh, for the most part, everything that I had had been given to me, or it had been a hand-me-down, which I was grateful for. But there was something special about buying my very own couch, something that was brand new. Um, so I got it, and again, it's it's not like a super special couch, but it's special to me because I paid for it, and it's brand new. Um, I, I'd have other couches before then and they were all hand-me-downs and you know they'd have marks on them or they'd have lumps and you know I have no idea who had these couches before me I don't know what they spilled on it I don't know how dirty these things were what was living inside of them. like you don't know there's so many unknowns that come with having used furniture that's just how it is but having a, a new couch was so special to me because it had never been used before there were, it didn't have a past it didn't there was nothing questionable about it I knew that this had come straight from the store and it was safe. You are a new creation. You're not just an old person that's been given a fresh coat of paint. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. You're a new creation. You're not just something that God took and refurbished and made look new. No, you are brand new. You've been recreated. You're not used. You're not a resell. You're not any of that. You are a new creation. And, and God has says that, said that you are a fellow citizen with the saints. He sees you now as holy and blameless, not the person that you used to be and not the mistakes that you've made. That's a very high status that God has brought you up to. You are holy and blameless for God. And if you can start shifting your mindset to start seeing about yourself what God sees about you, your life will completely change. Uh, it'll help you overcome the things that you're struggling with. It'll help you overcome the holes that you've been trapped in. If you just call yourself up to the same level that God's called you up and start seeing yourself as the saint that God sees you as, then your life and your attitude and your mindset and things will just start improving for you because God, he doesn't hold your past against you. He doesn't hold your mistakes against you. He sees you as holy and blameless, as a saint. You have status. And this last thing is you have a part. He says you're fellow citizens with the saints and members. Members, a membership, that's a, a bit more than just being in a family. A membership means that you're playing an active role in something. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Pluckers Gold, Gold Club member. Okay, that means I paid a fee, right? And, and now I get all the free stuff. Every time I go, I get a free appetizer, and that was the best investment that I've ever made. Membership, you have an active role in something. I, uh, I love in Romans chapter 12, verses four to five, it says, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You're a member of this family. And then that scripture we just read shows what kind of importance that you have and what kind of part that you have in his body. All of you are necessary. Every single one of you, you have uh, something unique 
in you that nobody else can have. That you, you've all heard that you've got a, a unique fingerprint, right? That's very intentional of God to, to design you like that because he wants you to realize you're not supposed to be like somebody else. You can't compare yourself to somebody else. That's like apples and oranges because you're not meant to be like them. You're meant to be different. He's placed things inside of you, talents, gifts, whatever it is, you're not like anybody else. You're, you're not like anything the world's ever seen before. And the thing about being a member of this body is that you're necessary. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna do it with you guys, but I did an illustration with the youth last time I preached about this where I, I had the guy come up and said, now walk up and down the stairs. Now do it without one leg. And they had to hop down. And, and then I said, now do it without any legs. And I just kept taking body parts from them. And by the end of it, they're trying to roll up these stairs and it's difficult. You know, like you can still function without a body part, right? But you're not gonna function the way you were designed to function. You can still function uh, with, with, the church will still function without you. Like I will say that. The church is still gonna go forward. God is still building his kingdom, but you are actually necessary. How much more could we be doing with you as a part of this family? How much further could we go? How many more people could we reach? You have an active responsibility in the church and, and part of that role involves serving. And if, if you're interested in serving, come talk to me. We've got a ton of places for you to serve. You know, that, that includes giving, that includes growing in your relationship with God. We all have that responsibility and I'm glad it's a good one. Like I'm glad we get to do that, but it's also a responsibility. Um, as a Christian and as a member of this family, you should be praying to God. You know, there's, there's just this, this responsibility that comes with being a part of this family. You're all needed and we're all here for a reason. You've all been designed to be a part of this body and the church will never function the way it's intended to without you. You all are needed. You all have a part. So those were five things. I wasn't too bad, right? What's my time? Did I do pretty good? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I can go back and repeat some of these if I need to. Just kidding. All right, number one, you have relationship. All right, God wants a relationship with you. Number two, you have acceptance. It doesn't matter what your past is, what you've been through, what your background is, you belong here. Number three is you have protection. You don't have to worry about physical danger. You don't have to worry about sickness. You don't have to worry uh, about not being good enough. You have God's protection and his angels are surrounding you. You have status. That means you are holy, you're blameless, you're a new creation. God sees you as a saint. And lastly, you have a part. You have uh, an active part in this body of Christ. You have been created a member of this body and this church and this family. And God needs you because nobody else can do what you can do. So let's pray. God, I thank you so, so much for this family. And I thank you for all the benefits that come by being a part of this family. I thank you for all of the um, privileges that come with being a part of this family, God. We're just so grateful that you care about us enough to bring us into a place where we're loved, where we're cared about, where we get to, to grow in our relationship with you and in our relationship with others, God, that you were so intentional when you created this church and again, this family. And I thank you that if, if there's somebody in here, God, that maybe they felt like they've been on the outside. Maybe they felt like they don't belong whether that's in a relationship with you or just in your church or in their family or just they've, they've been in a place where they just feel like they don't belong. They feel like they're an outsider. They feel like they, they just are disconnected maybe from you or whoever it is, God, that whatever, whatever, whatever that is this morning, 
that God, you're just reminding them of how much you love them and how much you accept them and what a relationship with you can look like, God, because a relationship with you, it can heal any hurt. It can heal any abuse. It can heal any past mistakes. If there's anybody in here this morning who has has never made the decision to enter a relationship with God, I wanna tell you that it's not hard. That you could do that right here in this moment, in this time. You can make the decision to, to make your faith more than just a religion, but to make it a relationship where God speaks to you and you speak to God and God is with you in every area of your life, not just when you're at church. And if you're in here and you just want a relationship with God and you haven't had that before, or maybe you did, but maybe you just, you just fell away or got lost, everybody's got their head bowed this morning. But if that's you in here and you want a relationship with God, a, a renewed, a restored relationship with God, will you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? God, I thank you for these hands, God, that you know where these people are at. You know what they've been through. You know the isolation that maybe they've experienced, God. But right now, you're just entering their lives in a whole new level that as they raise their faith, God, that you are moving in their situation. That they, from this point forward, get to have a relationship with you. They get to walk with you, that you're gonna be speaking to them and and that you're just sharing and pouring out your love in their lives, that they'll begin to see your love like they've never experienced before. God, I thank you for just all of these people that are here this morning, God, that as they leave, they're blessed. That whatever they need of, God, they've got through you. God, that whatever's going on in their week or in their work, God, you're the answer. And I thank you for blessing them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.